You are listening to a podcast about technology and innovation in the energy and oil and gas markets at the ONS Conference 2018. This is Sylvia Serres. Welcome to this podcast about innovation in oil and gas sector from the conference ONS in Stavanger. My guest is uh, Torgrim Reitan, uh, the, um, uh, a corporate director for development and production uh, internationally mm. in Equinor. Welcome. Thank you very much. Torgrim, uh, it's lovely having you here. And um, maybe you can tell us first a little bit about what you really do. Yeah, so um, I have been more than 20 years with Equinor and been CFO for a few years and then running our US businesses. And just recently, I've been tasked to to head up our international operations. So mm. uh, I'm both humbled and very excited with, with that you know great opportunity. Okay, so international, by the way, 20 years with Equinor, you, you can't have been. You've been 20 years with Statoil and, and a few months with oh, Equinor. Yeah, yeah. That's right, that's right. <laughs> but uh, so, so, so um, um, we are here at the conference. The main topic is innovation. Mm. And uh, I'm really curious about what's the most innovative aspect of Equinor. Um, first of all, I think um, uh, the mindset of change has really sort of surprised me <clears throat> and made me really humble with what uh, you know the whole industry is able to do. Uh, like four years ago, as a company, we struggled at a hundred dollar oil price, really struggled. Uh, and we said, you know, we really have to do things differently. We really need to just think totally differently. And now after four years, the company is making perfect sense at $50 oil. We are growing, we are paying dividend, we are reducing debt, and the new project portfolio is just, you know, really... New project <laughs> portfolio, what yeah. does that mean? So, I mean, that's the set of investment opportunities from now on and going forward. We call it um, we call it the next generation portfolio. So all the renewables or, no, no, or this improvements? Is, this is within, within oil and gas. This is within oil and gas. And they no, no need $21 per barrel to make sense. Just four years ago, the same portfolio needed seventy dollar per barrel, <laughs> and I must say, you know, it is, it is, uh, you know, it makes me truly humble seeing what this industry can do. And this is all about, uh, we can call it innovation, or we can call it mindset. <laughs> yeah, necessity of change. Mm. I, I have to admit that I, I don't think everybody here at ONS has that um, humility mm. yet, mm. Uh, and there is a sense of, uh, you know, good times are back. Yeah. And uh, people are smiling again. Mm, mm. Um, yet, you know, I, I, having lived in Norway for a number of years, <gasps> I am truly impressed by the ability we've shown to create a whole new industry mm. on the basis of, of, yeah. of uh, you know, yeah. exploiting oil from some of the harshest environments mm. in the world. There was a talk today by, the guy, by a guy from Singularity University. Yeah. And he quoted Darwin, of mm. course, and saying that it's not the strongest mm. or the richest, but the most adaptive to change yeah. who win. But Darwin said something else, which I sometimes think Norwegians should say more often. And he was saying that it's often in the harshest environmental settings, you know, where the environmental pressure is biggest, mm. that evolution goes fastest. And mm. I think maybe Equinor is a good example of that. In Norway, I mean, we were a really early mover in mm. deep sea mm. drilling. Mm. And and then we exported the whole industry based on that. Yeah. I mean, is, what what do you see? You are now working internationally. Mm, mm. What's the Norwegian footprint 
on uh, your industry? You know, that's a great question. There's actually a question before you got to it, and that is about uh, what now when things start to improve and all mm. of that. And just how, re- how do you make sure you keep the momentum? Exactly. So let me first reflect on that, and then then around the internationalization, because I mean, over the last three to four years. Uh, it it has been a very tough time for many so i do res- deep respect in that many people have sort of lost their their jobs um when that is said we had a lot of urgency for free so everyone know knew that we really had to do significant change and all of that what comes now is much harder because we don't have urgency for free anymore but we need to keep disciplined and we can't start, you know, singing old songs all over again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need to do it differently. And that is about leadership. And mm. how can we as industry leaders create that sense of urgency? When Necessity. It's, yeah, yeah, when it's not there for, for free anymore. And I think this is one of the big tasks that many of us are discussing, discussing for the time being. And Elder brought that up in his, his opening speech um, this morning as well. So that is, that is sort of um, one part of it. When that is said, um, I must say that I deeply admire, you know, the supplier industry and also the Norwegian supplier industry because they have become very, very competitive. Um, and when I travel to um, to um, Luanda or Rio or, or, or Aberdeen or Houston, there are hundreds of Norwegian companies. And, you know, they they don't work for us. Well, some of them work for us, but they work mostly for others. Mm. And they are competing very well. And they have 70% of their revenues from outside Norway these days. Mm. And that they have made this, and we have made this into a truly global and international competitive um, industry. Yeah. So, so it, it, it's, it, it's, um, um, and then, you know, what we have been through over the last three to four years just makes me very convinced that we we will withstand whatever comes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There was a there was a person on the scene today that was talking about how one of the biggest problems your industry has that it's very, it's bipolar. You know, it's either feast or famine. Hmm. And you know, when it's feast and everybody's too busy, yeah. just um, you know, um, maximizing NVP, mm-hmm. getting out as much stuff as they can out of the ground. Yeah. And when it's famine, then you just have to minimize your baseline you know and it's it's kind of hmm. it's a brutal shift well i wonder if there might be a, a norwegian leadership um, aspect of you know long term discipline there is something about knowing that there will be a winter at some point mm. and you need to make your rig so it will yeah. survive the winter yeah. I, I mean, Norwegians have always been extremely good at making high-end technology for process industry, mm, mm. even before oil. Mm. I, I don't know if Statoil is leading the way in technological, uh, in, in the way that you are a very um, advanced um, uh, customer. Do, do, do you drive the supplier industry as well by your by your projects, or do they come to you and tell tell you what you should be doing, or how, how does that innovation work? Uh, well, we work closely with many suppliers mm-hmm. and, and we tend to establish long-term relationships and we innovate together. Uh, and I think what we have been through over the lo- latest years is a very, very close collaboration on finding solutions and making things uh, simpler. So it is, um, it is uh, and we'll encourage, we encourage a lot of suppliers to do a lot of that innovation and we'll test. Um, I think what is unique with, with our company is that we are pretty bold when it comes to applying technology. And that is what has sort of taken us, you know, step by step 
by step and now into you know subsea factories where we can do everything on the subsea to you know unmanned platform to you know running things from onshore and and you know a lot of technology in you know and down mm. in the hole so i think it's 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 you know the whole digitalization that is now coming i think it's a perfect playing ground for a company like ours it is a bit in the dna to take whatever is invented and see the application of it so we are super encouraged with <laughs> with opportunity set and you know a few of the speeches this morning just uh, they were mind blowing about you know the 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 the, the you know the exponential growth of mm. new technologies and, and all of those things so so even if the oil price is back uh, for a while at least yeah. um there might be other kind of harsh winds coming your way i'm thinking um carbon pricing mm. i'm thinking uh, better batteries which kind of change yeah. the way i mean even changes in transportation yeah. What do you think about global demand for oil going forward? <coughs> I think um, I think it's very hard to say. Um, I've been listening to all experts in the world for many many years, um, and uh, what I've learned is that everyone are wrong always. Mm. Um, so and they get really well paid for it as well. <laughs> so you know what we can do. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of important analysis uh, analysis to read and to understand, but I think it's very dangerous to base your business upon it. Mm. So what we are doing, we say, okay, we'll have to make our business work at a fifty dollar oil and below that, and whatever comes on top of that, well, fine. Uh, and that's the that that's the approach that we're doing. So so we see that you know. If we are competitive on cost, if we are competitive on safety, if we are competitive on on you know CO2 footprint, hey, we have a formula that will work. <laughs> and and that plays back to sort of oil price and all of that. Very uncertain, but you know if you are the safest, the most cost efficient and the more the company with the lowest carbon footprint, hey, this is your barrels that will hit the market. Your barrels first. So how does this really work? I, I mean, you know, there are a few mega monopolies or, or um, uh, this is not a business for small players, at least not at the offshore level. Mm. Um, how, how does your industry collaborate versus compete? Can you tell us a little bit about the dynamics? So I mean the whole the, the whole whole industry has been characterized by collaboration. I mean that is what we do. We share risk, you know, in licenses and we trust each other and we try to make each other better. And of course we are competitors, but but but, but clearly we we collaborate uh, a lot. And I think there are many new areas of collaboration going forward. Um technology definitively and here we need to work well with, you know, the the supplier base to mm. to, to get that going. Then it's about our CO2 footprint and um, and methane emissions. I think we have a huge job to do. And the climate impact we can have on getting our business right is just huge. And I can give you an example. In the US, our business in the US, we have reduced uh, flaring and so on by 60% and taken down CO2 emissions by 600,000 ton per day. And that equals the climate benefit of all Teslas ever produced. Mm. And that is from Equinor mm. in the US, mm. <laughs> small fraction on the totality. So it just tells me how huge impact we can have if we just get our business right. And I think we have a huge opportunity to collaborate better, to stand forward as a forward-leaning industry, to be part of the solution. Um, 
carbon pricing and carbon capture and I mean, tell us a little bit about is that a way of um, greenwashing what, what your fundamental business is or, or it's, it's a part of you cleaning up after, what's the what's the business of it well, first of all, we welcome a higher price on CO2. Mm. We are a strong believer that, you know, that mechanism is the best mechanism to reduce emissions. So we are very glad to see that, that mm. finally, mm. <laughs> you know, CO2 quotas are, you know, coming up in price. Mm. It needs to come significantly mm. higher where it is today as well. And, you know, internally, we have a much higher value on CO2. So we already use a high CO2 prices in, 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 in our, you know, investment mm. decisions. So, so I mean, um, to us, it's, 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 it, this is sort of something we care deeply about. Uh, it is something that, that we as an industry need. I mean, we need to stand up as leaders mm. and, and describe, you know, what we can do, what we can help with and all of that. At the same time, we have an obligation to provide energy to uh, to the world in, in 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 the best possible manner. And you know, the, uh, we welcome as much renewables as possible. We 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 welcome all technology or mm. battery that that can come. But we know that even so, there will be a very very large need for new oil and gas. And 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 we are determined to be part of that solution. I think it's a really interesting uh, kind of squeeze you're in because on one hand societies expect you to guarantee you know security of uh, or uh, stability of supply and stability of jobs and st you know you're a big part of public infrastructure mm. yet uh, they kind of uh, want you to to cut the branch you're sitting on as well at the same time and it's 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 a tough uh, leadership game um uh, do, do, are you able, do, do you see that, um, is it easier, is it harder to find the best talents to come and work for you? How does that work? So um, we are, you know, proud people mm. in Equinor and we are proud people in industry of what mm. we do. And I think we have all the reasons to be proud of that. I mean, mm. we are generating a huge value for society in Norway and other places, um, and we will continue to do that. Mm -hmm. Then I think it's, it's absolutely right that we have critical lights on our, our activity so we can improve and make it mm -hmm. better and better and better. And, and clearly, I mean, the, 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 the climate concern is for real and, 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 and something we really, really need to address. When it comes to the talents, uh, you know, we clearly recognize that many of, many of them are concerned with the future and want to sort of help, you know, solving it. But also we see that we are still a very popular uh, employer uh, in Norway and, and wherever uh, we are. So we are able to attract very good people, very responsible and forward-leaning uh, thinkers. So, yeah, um, we are approaching the end of our time, but I really would like you to give us a little um, knowledge about the technology involved in your business. Yeah. Can you tell us... Um, Something about, you know, the coolest parts of technology in a <laughs> subsea platform or some numbers. Yeah. Just so we can imagine what it's like. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, a couple of, you know, very, very cool technologies. We have just, you know, uh, had an approval in the, in the government about an unmanned platform uh, offshore 
that takes a lot, but you know, we, we, we are really encouraged with what that takes. That's a combination of many technologies. Another one is what we call look, look ahead drilling. We have sensors on the drill bit, so we can actually look ahead 20 meters. So we can steer the drill bit on the top of the sand to get, you know, the extra, the extra drop of oil out of it. And maybe the third one is, is some, something I've been involved in myself, and that is um, to digitalize our onshore operations. In the US, you also know we have four sensors on each well. We have some 2,000 wells in the US, and we now monitor constantly them. And we can say that this well is going to go down. In Dry 20, up. Yeah, no, mm. well, well, there will be some, some, ah, some trouble uh, in, yeah. you know, in 24 hours. We can send people out. Predictive uh, maintenance. Predictive maintenance and all of that. Mm. And that, that is moving it from very, very manual to something that is digital. So that will add $500 million dollars to Equinor's value, you know, that technology. And it will reduce our driving. You know, we drive a lot. We drive like 2 million miles per year. That's mm. 80 times around the equator in the <laughs> US. So this will reduce driving by 20 rounds equator in yeah. a way. So that's safety as well. So yeah. that's sort of some sort of basic technology, but with a huge impact. So, so I mean, not everything needs to be super advanced. I mean, we have a lot of basic applications that will take this a lot. So there's a huge potential. Just another question on technology. People have been talking about these digital avatars. So, you know, a digital twin of a platform. What, yeah. Why? What's the thing about that? Um, it, is, uh, it is a way of testing if things work. It is a way of illustrating if you can want to do a maintenance or an adjustment to it. You, you can do it on a model instead of in real life. You can do testing and you can see how the system mm -hmm. responds and all of that. So it's... Simulation. It, oh, it's a simulation, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So you can do it on the test instead of doing it for real. So that's also, you know, increased revenue, better safety and, and, and lower cost. Can you promise us that you will be doing this better than Google for foreseeable future? You know, we'll do the best we can and, uh, and we'll continue to do that and we'll, we'll stay hungry. I think there is a really important part of kind of keeping some of this technology born Norwegian because uh, you can imprint your values and your drivers more easily when you're building the thing as well. Um, what's the biggest thing for Equinor next year? Uh, in general, in general, in yeah. general, yeah. Uh, I mean, over the next uh, year, we have several fields uh, coming on stream. Late 2019, we have the beautiful Johan Sverdrup uh, coming on stream. I uh, I have said it's the most beautiful thing on earth, and then I need to correct myself after my wife. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is an asset that we produce for 50 years. Uh, it's yeah. going to be very valuable for the Norwegian society, for all mm. shareholders, for for the world, because it mm. is very climate-friendly oil mm. uh, and, and it is very valuable oil. Very cool. What is the most important thing you think people should remember about perhaps generally oil and gas industry and its ability to develop and adapt technology? Um, the most important thing to know about this industry is that we are, as a system, very adaptable to change. We have proven that over and over again, also this time as the oil prices collapse. That will happen with digitalization. <laughs> it will happen with the climate footprint and that will drive uh, the whole industry into being part of the solution. Adaptable industry. I really like hearing that. Toigrim, thank you so much for spending your time yeah. with us and thank you for listening. Thank you. My pleasure. This was the Technology Podcast from the ONS 2018. 